So, does anybody remember our sermon series, what it's called? Oh, man. Good. One and others, thank you for delaying that so I could quiz everybody. And they got it right. Um, today's one another, um, I'll read the verse to you guys. But we've covered a variety of topics from bear one another's burdens, confess to one another, encourage one another, love one another, all these good things of how we should be living in community. And even during the intermission time, I have seen you guys practicing the one another verses, right? Like in the back, I saw two ladies praying for each other, and that was last week's one another. And that's what the church should be doing, right? When we come here on a Sunday morning, we're not just coming for a concert and a TED Talk. We are coming to be equipped to be the church. Amen? And I'm, like, I'm equipping you guys to be the church. And the church is never meant to be like a one-man band. And I am here to equip you guys to go out and reach the world and to go out and encourage each other. And God says that his church is his body, right? We are his hands and feet to do his ministry. So that's why... The one another's is so, so important. And so this one another's, quite conveniently, is something that I think all moms are really good at, but it didn't plan that way. It just kind of fell that this landed on Mother's Day. So to God be the glory for that. But here's the, here's the, the main command, and then I'll get in the main verse later. So it's, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles or Bible app, you can open it up to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 11. And this is the very end of the book of 2 Corinthians, and Paul says, hey, I want to give you like a couple commands at the end. And he says this at the very end. Um, and again, I'm reading from the ESV, if you have your Bible app and want to switch it. Um, he says, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Everybody say comfort on three. One, two, three. Comfort. All right, that's just the sleep check. Make sure everybody's awake. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So our command this week is comfort one another. you got to be comforting one another. And this is a hard one for some of us because we're not, some of us, we might be very empathetic and like we're very comforting to other people. And some of us are like, we're as comforting as a cinder block, right? <laughs> like, it's just not my gift, maybe you say, or... I don't know what to say when somebody's crying. I kind of freeze up and I don't know what to say. So I just sit there and say, oh boy, you know, like there's some husbands in the room that don't know how to comfort their wives until they've been married for 10 years and then they figure it out and it's all right. <laughs> there, there, honey. Just please stop crying for the love of God. Please. I don't know what to do when you cry. Uh, but in our world, comfort is king. Would you guys say that? Like, comfort is king. We hear this word so much about comfort because advertisers spend millions of dollars talking about how to make you comfortable. I mean, we need the most comfortable bed because we're not going to sleep at night, right? We need the most comfortable chair. Our cars better be comfortable. Spirit Airlines better have comfortable seats, you know. <laughs> Somebody just laughed at that. They are like the cheapest airline, but... Um, we want to be comfortable in every space we are, and we want to seek comfort, and everything promises comfort, right? And it's something we really chase after, and we all chase after, and it's not a bad thing, per se. It's part of the reason that we're saying, hey, we want to update our building, not that just, we're, you know, it's going to be pretty uncomfortable if the boiler goes out, 
and it's, you know, 20 degrees in the sanctuary because the sanctuary doesn't really have insulation as they do in the new buildings, you know, so it, does it doesn't really stay warm. So it's the reason we we're putting in a boiler, you know, it's the reason that we want to put AC in some of the spaces so the kids' rooms have, you know, they're not as hot in the summertime. It's like we want that stuff. It's, uh, some of that stuff's okay. Um, and so we seek out comfort, and before we talk about comfort and, and what we do, I want to talk about what we do for comfort. When you're stressed out, it's been a long week, it's been the month of you-know-what, and we are stressed, where do we go for comfort? Where do you go for comfort? Jesus. That was a Sunday school answer. I was actually, that's good though. That's the whole sermon, actually. <laughs> you weren't supposed to give it away. No, I'm just kidding. It is Jesus. But there's times that we go to things that, for comfort that don't really offer true comfort. Does that make sense? There's many things we go to, and I got a couple um, for us. We go to comfort in the wrong places. Uh, the first is like what I want to share what comfort is not, all right? Um, what comfort is not. The first is comfort is not numbing. It's not numbing yourself. In our day and age, there's so many things out there that get pitched to us as this will offer comfort, but really it's just numbing ourselves so we don't feel the pain or grief anymore. Um, and so I want us to think about that. Before we run to Jesus, before we run to God, we run to things that just take away the pain or they take the edge off. And that could be alcohol, that could be your whiskey, that could be your beer, you know, whatever type of alcohol you drink and you're like, Hey, I feel like crap today. I'm just going to drink until I don't feel bad anymore. And that's numbing. You might go to drugs. You might, you know, whatever it is, and you just go to numb. And if you guys know anything about just numbing the pain instead of dealing with the pain, that's why, like, a good example is a lot of sports players get injured because their knee is injured, and they go in the locker room at halftime, and the coach just puts an ejection in their knee. And they're like, hey, you can't feel the pain anymore. You're ready to play. And then they end up tearing their... ACL because they couldn't feel the pain that they, that they were supposed to feel and they hurt themselves. And so, have you been numbing your pain? Another way of numbing is, you know, we talked about alcohol and there's drugs. There's also overeating where you're like, I'm just going to eat until I feel better and it's maybe not taking care of the pain, but I'm going to certainly feel better for a short time. But drugs, alcohol, overeating, all of these things, if we are using them to just numb the pain, we could all agree that that's only temporary, right? That's only temporary. And then when you wake up in the morning, the numbness is worn away, your pain is still there, and you just feel worse. Because you didn't go to the comforter for comfort. You just went to escape the pain temporarily. And it's just, it's just a temporary fix. Um, the second is comfort is not distraction. And many times, in order to think like, hey, I just want to be comfortable, I'm not going to talk about my pain. I'm not going to talk about my pain. I'm not going to bring it up. I, don't wanna, I just don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I keep so busy in life that I don't have to think about what I'm going through. Anybody ever done that before? And you just put your fingers in your ear and you just work hard and you're saying, I'm just going to keep going and keep going, and I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to keep busyness in my life and people in my life and stuff going on so I don't have to think about it. But there's a problem with that. There's going to be a time in your day 
when you lay your head down at your pillow at the end of the day, where it all comes back. And you've tried to distract yourself too long, and you tried to, you try to forget it, and it just comes back in a wave. And then you, all that despair and grief that you've been feeling hits you at night. Maybe it's not at night, maybe it's a different time in the day. But you can only distract. Like, it's just like numbing yourself. Distraction is not true comfort. It's a temporary fix. But it doesn't solve the problem. And it comes back. And so, there's really two parts to today's message. It's, we, are, we need to first and foremost go to God for comfort. And then once we are comforted, or once we've experienced the comfort of God, we need to comfort one another. And it's the same way with God's love. As I said a couple weeks ago, God's love, like we should be a highway of God's love, not a cul-de-sac. And many of us are a cul-de-sac of God's love. We receive God's love, and it just kind of spins around and goes back to God, you know, like a cul-de-sac. It goes down, spins around, goes back to God. And it really needs to be a highway. God's love goes in us and flows out to other people. Amen? And that's the same thing today's verse says, but about comfort. It says, you receive the comfort of God in your affliction, and that shouldn't be a cul-de-sac, and it just goes back. It should be a highway where you receive God's comfort, and now you are able to comfort other people. Get what I'm saying? You are now able to bring comfort of God to other people in their affliction and grief and sadness and sorrow. And so in your missional communities, if there's somebody there going through something, you actually can be the one to comfort them in that moment because God says that we are to comfort one another. Okay? Um, so in uh, today's other main verse is going to be in, still in the letter of 2 Corinthians, but chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles or you're following with me, flip over to chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Okay? And this is Paul starts his letter with comfort, and like the whole first chapter is about comfort, and he ends it with comfort one another. But he says this, and this is a very deep verse, and I'm going to unpack it in a minute, okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all what? The God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort um, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, I, I, I actually put this part in my notes, but I took it out, put it in, took it out, took it out so much. But I think about this a lot. When we hear of Paul writing, like, have you guys ever been in a time of despair and people just give you like a very like trite answer and you're like, that doesn't help me. <laughs> this too shall pass, <laughs> says Sharon. Have you tried reading your Bible? I don't really need that right now. I tried. <laughs> you, know, I did, you know, I'm not saying that. But Paul is saying like, hey, if you're in affliction, let God comfort you. And what he's saying is it works. God's comforted me. And think about Paul, what Paul went through. Like, he's not like, Paul's like went through so much. And there's this list of the things Paul went through. And I, and I kept it in the back just in case I pull it out. But, uh, you know, here in America, I feel like we're a little bit cursed with having a really good life. And I know that sounds weird. I'll say it again. 
We in America are cursed with having a really good life. And now, if you are old enough, you remember talking to your parents and great-grandparents, and they would talk about, like, the Great Depression. And maybe you got a chance to talk about that. If you get to learn about the Great Depression or actually got to talk to a great-grandparent about Great Depression, the Great Depression, it was not good times in America. Like, it was like there was no jobs. You think about the jobs here aren't paying well. There's no jobs. They were going to work for farmers for, like, next to nothing. They were, their whole family was moving just to find work. And they would literally not have food in the cupboards. And you ask anybody, when was the last time you went to your cupboard and you really just had no food for days? You know? And it's like we are kind of cursed with good times. Not bad, but we need to be giving God all the praise and glory for the times we're in because the good times might not last forever. And we might go into bad times. And uh, so Paul had a lot of bad times, all right? Because of the gospel— he went through, and this is all found in 2 Corinthians 11, if you're taking notes. You could read 2 Corinthians 11, but it says this. He went through many imprisonments, countless near-death beatings for the gospel. So you guys can go out and share the gospel to whoever you want. You're probably not going to get beaten for it. He was beaten countless times, and four times he received 40 lashes minus one. So 40 lashes was death. And so he received 40 lashes minus one. Three times beaten with rods. He was stoned, not the kind that you're thinking about. He was stoned with stone, actual stones. He had three shipwrecks, three shipwrecks. In one of the shipwrecks, he drifted out to sea for a whole day and a whole night on a log, basically, in the middle of the sea because of the gospel. Many hungry and thirsty nights, many sleepless nights. And I think about, he was saying this, and Charles Spurgeon says this, here was a man who never knew but what he might be dead the next day. For his enemies were many and cruel and mighty, and yet he spent a great part of his time praising and blessing God. And saying, hey, you guys can experience comfort. And if there's anybody who can say that, it's Paul who's been beaten almost to death many times. He was shipwrecked. He gave his whole life to traveling around telling about Jesus, and he was just demolished for it. And so if he could receive the comfort of God, in what he went through, and he feels encouraged by it, there's nothing that you cannot experience the comfort of God for. Amen? And it's like building out that all of Paul went through. Okay, so the word in this, in this passage that we have here for comfort, and I'll go back to the Greek, is called, uh, and I'm not going to try to say this well, but it's really important that we understand the meaning of this, is paraklesis. Paraklesis, I think I have it up here. Um, the Greek word for comfort is paraklesis. I'm, I'm sure all of you guys knew that. Um, if you study the Greek, um, just kidding. But here is what this word actually means. All right, the first part is para, P-A-R-A, and that means near or beside. Okay, it just means near or beside. And the second part, klesis, means to call or invite. To call or invite. So when we think of comfort, we think of like, you know, somebody crying, we put our, you know, talking to them. And really the word comfort means to call someone near. And so it's to call somebody near in their time of grief or anguish or suffering. You know, it's not meant to be call somebody near when they're happy and just be happy with them. It means like when they're suffering, to call someone near. And I think it's important because God, it says that God is the God of all comfort. And what's what he's saying? God is the God. He's the chief person to call people near to him in their suffering. 
And they're saying, if anybody can comfort, no, like nobody can comfort like God. He's the offer of comfort. He wants you to draw near to him. And he's saying, literally, come closer, come closer, come closer. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I want to comfort you. And many times in our grief, we run away from God. The very opposite of what comfort means. And so he's saying, if you want to feel comforted when you're, in, when you're struggling, when you are in distress, you've got to run to God. And not run away from God, because if you run away from God, you're literally doing the opposite of comfort, and you're not going to find any peace. Does that make sense? And so literally it means to call somebody near. And you think about, like, it, that's so true with comfort, because in the most simplest form, moms, you think about when your little two-year-old fell and skinned up his knee outside in the driveway. What do they do? They cry, and they run to you. And you're not even looking at it. You're not cleaning it. You're just holding them while they're crying. And a mother holding their child comforts them to the point where they feel at ease again. And all they're doing is just holding them close and saying, it's going to be okay. It's okay. You know, I know dads do that too, but I got to just give the moms a shout out. And I know my kids when they're little, they didn't want dad. They wanted mom to comfort them. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was my, my, like, my five o'clock shadow was just too bristly, but they wanted mom to comfort them. And mom held them. And mom held them and to be close. And um, the presence of a mom is very comforting to a child. And I'm saying, mom, if you're watching, even if you're 37, the presence of your mom is still super comforting. Amen? It's like, I just love being with my mom. And I'm not just saying that because I want a bigger birthday present. But if you want to do that, Mom. But I love talking to my mom. Like, I call her and she, you know, talk to her about what I'm going through. But a mother's love is very comforting. And God wants to comfort us in the same way. When God comforts, he calls us near. He is a source of all comfort. And sometimes we resist it. And so we need to draw close to God. And so you might be like, what does that mean, Jim? How do I draw close to God? I'm here at church, and I don't feel any more comfortable with what I'm going through. It's more than just being in this building. It's you actually seeking out God and running to God. And we can experience the presence of God anywhere, any place, when you go to Him in prayer. When you pray, you do something very supernatural, and you enter the throne room of God, and you say, God, I'm suffering. I'm suffering. I'm struggling. Many of you have done that, but it's like in a hurricane, and you're in a hurricane, and you cling on to a tree as hard as you can, and we do that when we're suffering with God and saying, God, I'm struggling so bad, I don't know what to do. And many times when we pray that prayer of asking for peace and drawing close to God, we're just crying, right? And you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure many of us here, when we've prayed and we've been in a time of grief and distress, We've got on down on our knees and just cried. And that's good. And God says, I hear that. We have the Holy Spirit living in us that is, that is praying on our behalf. So when all we can do is cry, God is like, yeah, just come closer to me. I can comfort you. I can, I can interpret your tears, son or daughter. I can interpret those tears. I know what you're saying. I know. And it's like when we are in affliction— 
It's okay to run to other people, but we first must draw close to God, the God of all comfort, and cry out to him and be with him. Get alone and just say, God, I need you right now. And he promises to draw us close. The Bible says when we draw near to God, he draws nearer to us. And when we feel the presence of God, it's a supernatural comfort. We need to be a pad- we need a pattern of getting lo- alone with God on a daily basis. Like a one-on-one alone time with God every day. Um, I don't care when that fits in for you, but you should try to get alone with God for a little bit each day and pray, listen to the Bible, read the Bible, and that is like our source of daily comfort and ease. And you know what? I'm in the habit now, I mean, I've been a Christian now for a while. I put it in my day. Sometimes I miss it. I try to get it in most of the times. If I can't get that time in with the Lord and be close to him for a few days— I start to feel some type of way about everything. I'm a jerk. I'm grumpy. I'm mean. I, Everything's—the world's falling down. The economy's crashing. Oh my gosh, you know, everything's messed up in my life. And then I'm like, oh gosh, it's been like four days since I prayed and been alone with Jesus. I'm just overcome with every sort of attack from Satan, and every arrow is in my back, and I haven't been with Jesus for days. And then I'm like, I need this. And I ask the church sometimes, like, how do you go weeks without praying? I literally can't do three without becoming a jerky, whiny, crying mess. (laughs) You you must have something. And it's like we're not built to do life apart from Jesus. We got to be close to him every day. So start praying, talking. And maybe you're like, hey, I can't. I've done a lot of bad stuff. God loves sinners. Bring your sin to him. Confess it. He's okay. He's not going to beat you over the head with the Bible. He's going to say, I forgive you for the 700th time. I love you. Thank you for confessing. Now let's move on, right? God just wants to be close to us. The Holy Spirit is the word. Uh, Could you go back? I, I didn't have this plan, but could you go back? Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is the slide I wanted. So you know comfort is paraclesis. The word for uh, Holy Spirit, one of the words for Holy Spirit is the paraclete. And it's, that's in Greek, and that's helper or comforter. So we see this in John 14, 16. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray in the Father, I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, and he may abide with you forever. And so he's saying, when you get saved, when Jesus went up to heaven, he gave his Holy Spirit to the Christian, his church. And so when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you, and he's the divine comforter who lives within you. So, and we talk about drawing closer with comfort. God says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, because his spirit is indwelling you, and you have access to God at any moment, anytime, because the comforter is living inside of you. So when you are stressed, when you're grieving, when you're struggling, when you're upset, when you're anxious, what do you run to? Are you running to the bottle for numbness? Are you just running in life so you're distracted and don't have to think about your problems? Are you running to the one who could truly comfort you and take away your pain? He may not take you out of your circumstances, but he will be with you and comfort you in your circumstances. Does that make sense? And it's so good. Okay. Um, verse 3. Um, blessed be the God. I think that's up here again. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the mercy, um, Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Um, I don't really have much more to say about this part because we already built it out. But it basically reiterating that God is the God of all comfort. All comfort comes from him and being close to him. 
And then the next part is we are called to take that comfort that we receive from him in that moment and give it out to other people. Okay? And verse 4 says, God who comforts us in all of our sufferings and all of our afflictions, so we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The same comfort you received has equipped you to be a very comforting person to the church. And so God wants us to do that. I think about this so much sometimes. I mean, we're the church. We're supposed to be comforting each other, right? And I think about it sometimes. People are like, you know, I didn't go to church today. I just didn't feel like going to church today. Or if they go to a church and they say, I didn't really get anything out of church today. It's like, on Sunday morning, whether, you know, you should be getting some out of the worship because you should be worshiping and you should get a nugget of truth out of God's word. But there are so many people walking around these halls that need comforted on Sunday morning. There isn't enough people to comfort them all. Does that make sense? I'm talking about all you guys, people down in the kids, man. There's little kids. There's, there's everybody who's going through something. And God has a plan for you when you walk in these doors in the morning that you see somebody sitting alone with their head down. You are called to go over the, to them and comfort them. You're like, how do I do that? Well, what does it say? What does comfort mean? To draw close. Sit by them. Say, how you doing? Everything okay? You're crying. Is everything good? <laughs> you know? And that's what's like, church is about us coming together and also ministering to each other. So you guys can do that for each other, and you're called to do that for each other. And so if anything, you feel like, you know, I don't want to come today, there might be people here that God is calling to you to minister to this day. And it may not always be about you getting ministered to. It may actually be like you pouring out a little bit and ministering to the people around us. So we're called to comfort. And so, and, and anybody in life, not just at church, we are called to comfort them. And so it means just to draw near beside. Just being there with them in that moment. Encouraging them to draw close to God. And encouraging them with that. But many times, I, I said this before, think about people who's comforted you. And like, who is, like, is there one affliction in your life where somebody really comforted you? What did it feel like? And I'll tell you, for me, it's, it's really times where somebody is just there. They're just there. A Christian brother or sister just shows up in your time of need. And that's why it's so, like, I, we have friends, my wife and I have friends, that, when, you know, when, back when we lived were on the other side of the state, my grandparents, you know, when they passed away, they had their funerals at, like, faraway spots, like, not near our hometown. Like, it was, like, 40-minute drive outside of town. And we have our one friend that came to every one of my grandparents' funerals. You know, and I'm like, at first I'm like, why are, you, why are you here, dude? You know, it's like 40 minutes away and there's a snowstorm. And he was there because he just wanted to comfort me. And that meant so much. I think about that. You know, you ever think about that? You have a funeral of a parent and somebody's there, and, or a grandparent, and they're just there. And it's so comforting. You remember that for the rest of your life. I remember when I got my appendix taken out, uh, my brother-in-law, Chase, some of you met him. He came to every 12th. He's an awesome dude. Whew, hope I don't cry. Um, I got my appendix taken out, and he came to visit. And I'm like, shoot, what are you doing here, man? Like, don't you got a wife and stuff to do? You know, like, I was only like 25 or 28. You know, I didn't really need somebody there to comfort me. But I remember I got out of my surgery. I was loopy, saying dumb stuff. And I just fell asleep. I'm like, I don't, I don't care what you're doing, but you could stay or leave. I'm going to take a nap. 
And I woke up like five hours later after my appendix got removed, and he was in the room sleeping on the couch next to me. I mean, that's what a Christian brother is supposed to do, right? I mean, you're just there, and that comforted me. Like, you know, you think about that stuff, and you're like, man, I'm never going to forget that, man. And if you're in trouble, you call me. I'll be there for you. I don't care, because I remember that day you slept for four hours. In the grand scheme of life, it was nothing, but it meant the world to me. I'm like, man, I go into a burning house for you because you comforted me when I was in affliction. (laughs) And you stayed there the whole day and slept on the couch. And God is calling us to do the same thing to other people and bring this comfort. Your presence and your body, you're, you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So you being with somebody and just listening is so much, like there's a divine interaction going on there that brings comfort to somebody. Like really, you don't have to say anything oftentimes. You just have to be there, right? And that's bringing comfort to somebody. To let him know, I love you. I'm by your side. I'm here for you. And in, in just encouraging them. And so, a missional community, there's going to be people in your missional communities that are hurting, and they just need you to be there for them and listen. There's going to be people here on Sunday that are just here, that need you there for them. The world, like people who are there who don't know Jesus, and all, they go to their non-Christian friends, and they hear pithy, like Oprah Winfrey one-liners, that's not helping their comfort at all. And you sit there and listen and bring a peace about them from the Holy Spirit. And they know something's different about you because you're a Christian. That makes sense? Or even if God gives you a word to share with them, and you share that word with them, and it just brings comfort to them and peace in that moment, is way more than a one-liner that Oprah shared. You know what I mean? And it's because God is the God of what? All comfort. And he's living within us. So the worship team could come up. We're going to sing one more song for us this morning. But in our affliction, I want to say this real quick. Many of you have gone through a lot of stuff. Many, many of you have gone through big afflictions, little afflictions. For me, you guys heard my worst afflictions. I, my appendix ruptured. <laughs> and my grandparents have all died. And I know they're with Jesus. Those are my biggest. Some of you have much greater things. You've lost parents. You've, had, you've, been, you've been beaten. You've been abused. All these things. And I'll say this. The more that you've been afflicted and subsequently comforted by God, 